It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. It's episode 612. Wow, that's a lot. We're recording on a Saturday this week because Jeff suggested it and I said, okay. Um, it turns out that recording on Sunday was going to be a little bit more difficult to do because there's a game in the middle of the day. Stupid huge manatees. Yes, huge <laughs> manatee games. You never know how long they're going to last. We're recording today instead. We have plenty of things to talk about. It's all right. We don't have to wait an extra day. Uh, so I am VA, of course. And I'm here with Jeff. Yo, yo, yo. And Tim. Hello. Oh. <laughs> Cough and try that one again. (laughs) Hello, I'm here. Okay. All right. Uh, It's been an eventful week. Uh, It started with, uh, you know, the shellacking of the Bruins last week, eight to one against the Capitals. I did not watch that game. (laughs) As Uh, as we discussed on the podcast, I didn't even try. (laughs) Oh, um, I did not want to watch that game. And I, by and large, didn't. Uh, Thankfully, you Uh, know. Glenn did. Oh yeah, that was the five thirty game, wasn't it? Yeah, we watched that game. Damn it, because it was like, oh god, and, and it's like it's it's one of those things where you're like you fool yourself into watching it, thinking like, let's see what this very young, very young, choose your adventure or choose your own adventure defense is doing, and then you go, nope, nope, <laughs> and then That's, you're uh, nope, 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 nope. Good old fucking noptopus. Yeah, that was a lot of nope. And it was just like, oh, and it's like, it just, like every goal, it just hurt. So many goals. Poor Daniel Vladash. I mean, they left him in through it all, too. Like, that's just cruel. I know Swayman had played the day before and, like, his, you know, coach at UMaine had just died. But, like, at a certain point, you got to stop the bleeding. Like, it's just not good for a young goalie like that. That's what they did to fucking Malcolm Subban. Uh, yeah, I, I mm, gosh, it is. I, I didn't know what to do there, but I think that it was just a bad idea to have any young goalies put in there. Unfortunately, all of our old goalies were dead, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure there was much you could have done. I think in retrospect, they should not have played Kevin Miller against the Flyers and maybe saved him for that Sunday. But I don't think that Kevin Miller was going to help out much. So that was just painful, man. Just so Honestly, painful. it should have been a, Cal- a Callum Booth day. Yeah, that's that's another choice you could make. Uh, just like, I mean, it was 8-1. I mean, you don't want to see Vladar get absolutely smoked. You don't want to play Swayman. Just throw Callum Booth in. Doesn't matter if he like real like as much as it's it sucks to say for him anyway. I mean, it doesn't matter if he gets shelled. It really doesn't. It doesn't affect the Bruins' future at all if he gets shelled. So I don't know him. On the other hand, it you know kind of um plunged uh, Sweeney into action. That's true. I almost feel like. They were just kind of like, let's fuck around and see what happens. And then they were like, let me get on the phone. <laughs> let me get on the phone. I need, to, we fucked around. I need to talk to, uh, what's his name? Dorian in, up in, uh, in, uh, in Ottawa. 
<laughs> Let me go talk to whoever's at the helm in in Buffalo. I need to talk to someone right now. <laughs> and then he did. And fuck yeah. Yeah, okay. Let me just say this. I was writing up something about well, I didn't really write about that game. I just was like <laughs> No, about next morning. Yeah, yeah, I just was like, I have other things to talk about. I'm just going to tell you, the Bruins lost really badly, 8-1. to one. So there we go. Uh, sometimes it's not worth examining. You, you're just, you just say, this is what happened, and then we just move on. Um, so, yeah, I was writing up something, and then I see something happen. Like, something came over the TV, and I was like, ah, fuck. I think I was watching um, NHL Network that night. And I was like, oh, something came. Okay, so uh, so Mike Riley. All right, so, you know, so then I go back and edit the thing I was writing and I put that in there, you know. And then, like, you know, I don't know. It was like 20 minutes later that Curtis uh, Lazar thing came down and they were talking. Drager was like, it could be part of a bigger deal with Hall. And like, okay, well, you know. And so I stayed up until like 1.30 that night because I wanted to make sure that nothing else was happening because all this True. stuff happened like, you know, 1030 and later. So you can imagine how I felt the next day. I was like, I felt hungover. But anyway, well, it's like I woke up Monday morning, looked at my phone. And it's like, why is there messages in the chat thread from 230 in the fucking morning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, at first I was just like, I don't I don't know this Mike Riley guy. So I, I really don't know. Okay, he's a defenseman. That's fine. And then Curtis Lazar, I'm like, okay, is that all we're getting? And then I saw the re reference to Hall. I'm like, okay, so I'm just waiting for this to drop, you know. And then, you know, the thing about Hall, okay. So last week I said, eh, I'm not really into Hall. I have some some thoughts about him. But also I, I honestly thought that it was going to take a lot to get Hall, even though he's having a crappy season. Instead of a trade in which three players and one pick involved, Boston gave up the worst player and the pick and, and a second rounder. I mean, it was quite a haul for Sweeney. And don't forget about the salary retention. Oh, and, yeah, right. And max retention yeah. on, on Hall. So basically, we we swapped for a more effective and and right shot center, importantly, bought for a um, um, uh, fourth line player. With half the salary, one year less term, but half the salary, and better player, and Taylor Hall at four million on the rest of the season. Ah, uh, yeah. For a guy who was clearly done in Boston, regardless of his quality. Yep. Sure. And yep. a second round pick. <laughs> well, I, I'm just sitting there, like I was looking at him, like this can't be real, right? Like because because you know you remember. Um, uh, Maple Leafs fans were like shit in a brick after this because they were like, we paid too much to get Nick Foligno. They did. They did. That's true. But it's just like, sometimes you kind of just ask for less and see what happens. I mean, part of it's a, that Sweeney kept all that cap space, right? Yep. He, he, by be. You know, everyone complained he didn't sign defensemen, and like we've seen that that's been an issue. Although, like giving up a third for Mike Riley seems like it seems fucking inspired. 
So now let me tell you how I think about Taylor Hall. And I have to thank Elliot Friedman for this, because uh, I heard this on a segment that was played on Felger and Mass. Felger and Mass. Oh, God. No, no. I mean, they were trying to poo-poo whatever Friedman was saying. But Friedman said, look, Taylor Hall wanted to sign in Boston last year. He wanted to sign during the free agency. Boston didn't have the room. They needed time to maneuver around the cap. Uh, Taylor Hall did not want to wait that long. He just wanted to sign. So he basically went to Buffalo, $8 million, and they said, yes, there you go. So hearing that made me go, okay. Then I've heard more about how Taylor Hall, since Bobby Orr was his agent, and that was that was a while ago. He's, they're no longer working together. His management is the same management as Patrice Bergeron. So that's interesting. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Ever since he had been working with Bobby Orr, he wanted to come to Boston. But of course, Edmonton held that first pick. So he went to Edmonton. Which leads to all sorts of what ifs. Oh, yeah. I would, would Taylor Hall, having been drafted two overall instead of one overall, have been with the Bruins this whole time? And would he have been, developed into the same player, albeit with a better attitude? Well, there's another, but there's other ripple effects, right? So, okay, in, um, uh, so fall 2010, you have your, your second overall pick um, debuting with the team. Mm hmm. In uh, OT, in original timeline, of course, it's um, uh, Taylor Sagan, a um, right shot setter who's going to almost certainly as him while still a kid being used as right wing. Because at the time, you know, the team had three top um, top six centers, arguably three, because the assumption at the time was that Mark Savard would come back and not be dead. Mm, right. Um, oh, but if you have Taylor Hall, what happens long term with that team? I, Brad Marsham probably never gets his top his top line opportunity. Nope, and you might not draft pasta. That's a long. That, that's a lot of years down the line, though. So who knows? But like in the media term, there, I remember me Brad Brad made the team out of camp that year, but his fourth line left wing. Yep, he proved his value, especially during the playoffs. Oh yeah, he climbed he climbed the roster all the way through that season. He entered the he was first line left wing by the um. Uh, by the playoffs, although back then everyone was still calling the Krejci line our first line because reasons. Yeah. Well, we had a 1A, 1B situation going on. Exactly. Yeah. And we had that going on for a long time. But, like, so so what happens then? Does, does, May, do, do, does Luch get traded sooner, for example, if you have Hall and Marshawn? Or does Marshawn never become Marshawn and end up leaving the team much younger and making them look foolish? Or does he never become the player he is now because he doesn't spend a decade and a half playing next to Brad next to Patrice Bergeron? Maybe he finds a party hardy guy in Taylor Hall and they both ruin each other. Yeah, there are lots of what ifs, but I, you know, I don't really like what ifs. <laughs> I know, but like, just thinking about that, like that, that if he was hoping that he'd fall a second to go to Boston, like from the beginning, what would what would have been different then? Incidentally, in that context, what the fuck was Edmonton thinking? A team that at the time had only one center and was like, um, uh, like a Macogliano and like Horkoff. Fuck. Taking the guy that wasn't a center first overall is a very odd choice in that situation, especially considering it was genuinely considered a coin flip at the time. And while Taylor Hall was a good player, he always was a good player for Edmonton from the beginning. 
that may well have been the mistake that led to Edmonton being the shit the, the shit NATO it's been for the twelve years since that draft. It's not necessarily Hall's fault either, because again, he was a good player for them. They sold really low for no reason. Well, I like to look at it as like Peter Shirelli lived out his lifelong dream to trade both the number one and number two overall in the 2010 draft. <laughs> Certainly did. Yeah. The only reason why I don't like to play what if games is because, uh, I mean, it can be genuinely fun, but it's also like conspiracy theory, like, which I do have a conspiracy theory to share with you, but um, but it's like all of these threads go off in all these different directions and stuff like that. And really, what we really need to know is just that Taylor Hall's father is the time-traveling dick wizard, Yarmir Yager. We knew okay. that already because he's a hockey player. Right. A good <laughs> hockey player, right? Not the bad hockey players. Like, you know, Sean Crowley is not the son of Yarmir Yager. We know that. So... <laughs> Neither is I mean, what would Jeremy Yarger have been doing in Columbus in the early 90s? Like, come on. The zoo. <laughs> you mean he, he went there to fuck penguins? Come on. That's not, that's not appropriate. Oh, that's very inappropriate. But, I mean, if, there, if you are going to do something in Columbus, it might as well just be, like, you know, getting fuck some. Penguins? Yeah, not, okay. not penguins. Not penguins. I'm not. No, no, I'm not. Let's. I, I never said anything about that. Although he was a penguin at that time, so that would be like maybe that was his fetish. Who knows? He was right at home. I'm just imagining chirping, chirping Yager on the ice by calling him a penguin fucker. <laughs> <laughs> at least they give it up to me easily. <laughs> I mean, but but he's Yager. They all do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's my conspiracy theory about Taylor Hall. Okay. Okay. Since last fall, when he signed with the Buffalo Sabres, just before he signed with them, he was like, you know what? I'm going to find a way to get me on the on the uh, the Boston Bruins team this year. That's what I'm going to do. So he signed for a lot of money in Buffalo. And then he just tanked. He just was not good. Uh, he hurt Jack Eichel, for instance, right? He's the one who herniated the disc in his neck. Okay. He's just been putting chloral hydrate in the water bottles on the bench in Buffalo all season. <laughs> yeah. So he. Just, 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 just. Yeah. Yep. So then, so then there was an opportunity, and he said, "You know, I have a new move uh, clause. I don't have to do anything. I could stay right here, and you can keep paying me eight million dollars to suck. But if you do want to 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 get me to go somewhere else, the only place I want to go is Boston." And also, you have to, like, keep half my salary because that's that's the rules. I don't make them up. Uh, here's the thing is about this. You know what? Those conditions obviously pushed the, drove the price down. There's not any real reason it should have driven the price down that much. No. There's a, definitely a component of Kevin Adams being wildly unequipped, unequipped to be able to handle this job. Yeah. Maybe 100%. maybe Taylor Hall went to his door every day and was like, trade me, 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 trade me. Will you take us to Mount Splashmore? Will you take us to Mount Splashmore? Am I traded yet? Am I traded yet? Right. And then fine, I'll fucking trade you. This is this is my latest offer. I'm just 
let's get rid of you. But then the hilarious <laughs> thing is his opening ask was like, what was it? Was either Vladar or Swayman. And then Sweeney's just like, no, no. Yeah. This is exactly <laughs> how that went. All right. So I want Vladar or Swayman. Sweeney. No. Okay. I'll take Bjork and a second round pick Sweeney. All right. Okay, good. but I'll need yeah, another player. How about uh, Curtis Lazar? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Fine. Kevin Adams is bad at this. <laughs> Very bad. So bad. Like he had a legion of like decent reputation UFAs, and he got like a, a fifth, two thirds, and a second. He basically spent eight million dollars on a second round pick in Anders Bjork, and he had to pay the Boston Bruins four million dollars. But then, like, he also got basically nothing for Stahl or for Montour. Not that Montour's worth date jack ship, but, like, he gave up a first and high-ranked D prospect two years ago for Brandon Montour, and he just traded him for a third. Stahl went to Canadians? Canadians? For a fifth and a third, I believe. And they weren't even the best fifth or third that Montreal owned. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I I gotta tell you... When you said stall, I had to think about which stall for a minute because I forgot about Eric Stahl. Uh, and then I, I kept remembering that I think somebody said, oh, my God, this is when you're going to hear that Mark Stahl is traded to the Bruins. And I was like, no. <laughs> Here's the thing. The Bruins basically paid what they did to Taylor Hall the same amount they did to get like Marcus Johansson. Mm hmm. Except Less that, technically, because like, didn't they give up two picks for 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 for, for, for Johansson? Maybe, maybe they did. I know it was at least the. I I know it was. Um, I, I'm just shocked at this whole deal. I know it they was, gave up less than Vegas gave up for my, for Matthias Janmark. I mean, Iani's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> So when you look at the risk that you you took on with Taylor Hall, if Taylor Hall does not work out for whatever reason, that this is before any games were played, uh, you're thinking, if Taylor Hall doesn't work out, you risked very little, if anything at all. So who cares? It was such a low risk trade that it's like, ah, well, how can you not get behind this? And then, then, of course, now we've seen three games. Okay. This is a different team. It is. Now, I want to say, I'm going to preface this. I at first thought that Taylor Hall was going to be the big piece here. I really thought that he was going to be the the big showy piece and whatever. But I got to tell you, Mike Riley. (sighs) Yeah. He is noticeable in a good way every shift. Mike Riley is going to end up being the probably the most impactful player they got. Do you remember stretch passes? He does. He knows yeah. what they are. It, Billy Jaffe last night said, you know, the great thing about Mike Riley is like before he even gets the puck on his stick, he knows what his options are. You know, yeah. and it's just like, that's smart. That's really smart. Well, well, the one thing I noticed differently, the two of them, and both and both Hall and Riley have been big parts of this specifically. In the past, one of the problems this team's had with the Islanders is their forecheck just kept Boston out of the fucking zone completely, right? With those two additions, every Bruin just seems to steamroll seem to steamroll right through the Isles forecheck the last two games. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just like completely just blow right through it. 
And I'm just like, where did this come from? These are all of these are fairly marginal pieces, at least on the surface. Holy fuck. Yeah, like last night, Riley got down deep below the goal line. It was able to get that that puck over to who was it? Was it Pasta? Pasta. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, and it's like he did it so seamlessly. Well, even Pasta said last night, he said he's had a hard time. He said he has a hard time saying his nickname Riles because <laughs> he has a hard time saying Riles. But he said he hadn't even finished saying the saying Riles, and the puck was already on his blade. Like he was already there. Like he hadn't even finished it. Like that's how quick the he was able to get it to him. Like he just when when did Hardback Riley get this good? Like again, so so like he was traded to to um, Ottawa at the deadline last year from Montreal for a fifth and a nothing prospect. He'd been a fringe NHLer for both Minnesota and Montreal, and he's, he's like this is he's like fifth or sixth NHL season already. And then, like, just all of a sudden, it's it's clicked this year. Also, he's doing it wearing number six. Oh yeah, that should be a death sentence in this team. <laughs> he's twenty-seven, and and let's think about defensemen for a minute. When do defensemen really start putting it together? Usually, like your average defenseman. I mean, that's from the time Boychuk started getting it, right? It was 27, 28. I mean, Boychuk is, is unique because it was very late when he started putting it together, right? But but let's just maybe, say that Riley's Riley, similar. Yeah. Riley started putting it together sometime last year and carried through this year. You know, at first when I, I had never really heard of him, and when I heard that he was being traded from the Senators, at first I was like, ah. Oh, Oh, we're picking up somebody from the Senators. But then I remembered, oh, yeah, that's right. The Senators have this habit of trading away their good defensemen. Oh, it's like DeMello last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so I'm like, and for, oh. And for apparently only third, only a third round pick, even though they could definitely get more for that guy. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, okay, I don't have any expectations for this guy. And that's great because now he can go and just be awesome. There there was that, um, you know, uh, the first game – I none of them scored their first point as a Bruin, so, and that's fine. First game. I mean, Hog hits. got kind of robbed by the scorekeepers. Yeah, on that game. yes, he did. Yeah. He did. Because, like, because, like, he—that's regardless of whether it's an official assist, he absolutely assisted on that on that Smith goal. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's just that um, I think the Smith goal didn't it go unassisted because it bounced off a, a Buffalo saber. Yeah, but they never had control, so that shouldn't matter. Yeah, well, I don't make these rules. Anyway. Yeah, I know. So my point is, it's like um, just before the game started, they had their Ed Nesson's little game that they play on the phones. And it was just like, who's going to get their first uh, point as a Bruin tonight? And I said, well, I said conventional wisdom would say Taylor Hall because he's on that line with Smith, who is hot right now. Right. <sighs> Right, so a little like, hot right now. Yeah, <laughs> that that Craig Smith, he's so hot right now. I, conventional wisdom would say that. So I said Hall, but I said Mike Riley really likes to to get that puck up into the play. So it probably should be Mike Riley, and it was Mike Riley. He was the first, and then Taylor Hall scored later. So it's it's fine. It it all works out. But I, it's just it's it's nice to to think about people who are making a difference right off the bat, right? And Lazar, you know, he's doing good things on that fourth line. He got an empty netter last night. 
All right, I, I really like Lazar and how he's gelled on the fourth line. I think he ends up being um, Crowley's replacement on that fourth line going forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Crowley, oh, God. I mean, he does some good things, but he does some really terrible things. And last night was a terrible game for him. Oh, that puck uh, over the glass. The game before wasn't great either. Like, he's be- looking better at left wing than at center. But he's washed. I don't see any reason for him to continue to be in the roster once Frederick's healthy. It's so hard. Because I knew he wouldn't be here uh, next year. I think, one, he had COVID, so that was bad. He was scratched before that, of course. So that's not great. So who knows what his conditioning and everything is like right now. But I also think uh, he's got some mental stuff going on. Because it can't feel good to be like going into this late in the season and he's probably not been offered a contract. He's not going to be, I can't imagine I, it. I it's... don't think so. So that happens, that affects players in different ways. And I think that's affecting him right now. And it sucks. He's going to say the way he's playing, I don't know if he's going to get a contract. He's, I think he's at this point, he's playing for a, for a PTO come camp for somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to think anymore about it. So anyway, um, yeah, so it's good that we have Lazar because it looks like Crowley's trying to find his game. And I think that Big awesome. Wagner's been, been good since his Wagner's been good since his scratching ended, which is nice. It really seemed to either that or getting Crowley out of center is probably a factor too. I mean, he looked better when Crowley, actually, no, I take that back. He looked better before Crowley moved to wing, didn't he? He, he was scratched <laughs> for five games. So that does something to you. You should learn. That's true. I mean, well, it's like he's only back because let's face it, but neither Sinition or Coolman were capable or were up to the challenge, like at all. <laughs> oh no! Good. Look, you, you can only have so many young guys on this roster at yeah. a time. Let some of the veterans who maybe don't have as much upside, but at least have experience, take but take their in spots. In any case, there's only two players now that I'm interested that I'm looking forward to seeing not on the game roster at this point. And it's Crowley and Zaboral, especially Zaboral. The ah. rest of the D's playing good, and he keeps looking like a deer in the headlights. It's like his first cup of coffee two years ago. Jesus fucking Christ. His, his, whatever confidence he had earlier this season is completely gone. Yeah. And we already knew he was enough of a head case that he doesn't handle things like that well. Well, that's why you got Mike Riley, right? Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Lausanne hasn't really been encouraging, but he's been better than Zaboral. At least he knows what he's doing out there. Right. There's a good chance that you'll be able to sign Mike Riley. Very good chance. I think so. I suspect there'll be a whole raft of signings immediately after the expansion draft. Yeah. Um, like, potentially, you could see all four of Riley, Hall, Krejci, Rask in one shot. Right. So, so basically... I'm not as worried about LD right now because we traded for someone who looks really good. And when we get Grizzly back in and oh, when you get, and then you can roll Grizzly and you can keep Grizzly on the, on the McAvoy pairing and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> right. And move Lozon down to the third pairing. That's fine. You know, I'm feeling more hopeful about the Bruins defense right now, oddly enough, just by getting one extra piece and that yes you know so it's it's good i mean of course uh, i don't know i'm I'm a little worried because i don't know if we'll see my boys to boys at all for the rest of the season so i I hope we do because like like honestly like they look better but like they're not going far in the playoffs 
without getting Carlo back. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Remember the first time that he was back and ready for the playoffs because they scratched him the final game of the season so he wouldn't get hurt, right? What did they do that year? Oh, they went to a game seven in the final. Yeah. They did. He was a big part of that. I refuse to listen to anybody say otherwise. But anyway, with that in mind, not not Carlo, but what we've been talking about, basically, Nick had some things to say. So I'm going to share them with you, and I thought they would make a great conversation piece. Mm-hmm. So he writes, may someone make three points for me? It's very sweet that he used the very formal may. One, go with Tuca and Swayman for the rest of the year. We haven't even talked about Swayman, really. We will talk about Swayman right now. First of all, Swayman, aside from that one game where he was playing right after the loss of his beloved coach at UMaine, he has been great. He had a shutout last night against the Islanders. Against the Islanders, man. That's no joke. Swayman's been fantastic, but watching him, he's getting a lot of lucky breaks right now, too. So it is inflating him a bit. You can tell he's still really fucking green. I don't think I agree with with Nick on this one. Once Halak's healthy, assuming he's actually healthy, he's today would be day 13 and on COVID protocol. So if he had it, the earliest he could be allowed to, to skate would be tomorrow, I think. But if he had it, he might not be useful for a bit longer. <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, let's get back to Corelli definitely had it. Jake DeBrusque had it. So yeah. uh, so there's no reason to think that uh, that Halak Two full have. weeks means he was real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's going to take a little while to, to work yourself back up to the game. So so we will be seeing Swayman, presumably, maybe Vladash also uh, for a period of time. So yeah, so Swayman has looked really, really great. Uh, he won a shootout. He loves the shootout. He said after the game that he loves the shootout. It's like there's no better part of the game, he thinks, than being one-on-one. Well, you watch him and like, facial expressions are completely different than what you see at their goalies, right? Like usually they're really fucking locked in and tense and he's just like laughing his way through the game. Like, it's remarkable. It's <laughs> always it remind- smiling. It reminds me of a Bucks player after the Super Bowl. They interviewed him, and he said his name is Vita Vea, and he's this big dude. He's like 6'2", 350 pounds, and he's a nose tackle. And basically people will double-team him, and he doesn't move. And what he said is when two people double-team him and, he, and they're not moving him, like mid-play he'll just laugh at the other people because he's not moving. And he's just like laughing because like, hey, guess what? I'm strong enough to hold you two here and you can't do anything about it. So like, that's what it reminds me of is how he just laughs through everything. It's like, yeah, I'm a psycho and I can do this. It reminds me of a Tempe Batombo. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Not today. <laughs> that commercial he was in was the best. It was. Swatting, ce- swatting cereal out of the air and stuff. It's got that completely off-kilter thing of like Adam McQuaid when he's in a fight. Like look at Adam McQuaid's eyes when he's punching someone. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, by the way, speaking of punching things, Kevin Miller killed Tage Thompson. 
Oh God, oh, Dave yeah. Thompson. Like, he just, 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 just he, he shouldn't have come to work that day. No. No. Yeah. What were you thinking? Getting under, getting the ire of uh, of Kevin Miller. That was dumb. Stupid dumb. First of all, your name. Can we just talk about that? What the fuck kind of name is Tage? It sounds like an incomplete name. His younger brother's name is Tice. T Y C E. Oh God, he, that's he just awful. signed with the Devils out of um, uh, out of out of Providence College. Oh my God, <laughs> oh, that's even worse. Yeah, those parents should not be allowed to name things. Okay, it, Tage is like it's like they were trying to spell Sage. But but using like the 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 remote control thing, like old arcade games when you'd have to use the rollerball or joystick to get to the right letter, they skipped the S and went right to T, and then they accidentally locked it in. The real story is that neither of them played in the WHL, and like that's like the hotbed of dumb fuck first names. <laughs> the Dub Bantam Draft is always an adventure, and is is always an adventure in, in 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 lately of in how Gen Xers have chosen to name their their male son, their male children. It's just not good, not good. Again, you know, seven different spellings of Braden, Caden, and Jaden each. I you know, and I hate all of those names. I really do. And oh, I'm a Gen Xer. Yeah, I'm a Gen Xer. I did want one of my friends to name her child Ethel, as in alcohol, E T H Y L. I thought that would be really cool. I would, if I had a kid, I would have named uh, my daughter Ruby and my son Ronan. Those are two names I would have chosen. And I'm a Gen Xer, so. But also those last, uh, those first I mean, names. Ruby's were- a very child of millennial name, so that's okay. Like I can get on board with that. Not only they seem to be into um, older, more old-fashioned names, versus uh, Gen Xers just couldn't bother, be bothered to fucking smell, spell proper name names properly. <laughs> it's just trends. I don't know. I just thought I picked two names that would go really great with my husband's last name. That's fair. yeah. So there we go. The two names that would go very well, not necessarily with my last name, because really, there's nothing that goes with my last name. There's just Zebulon. <laughs> I did want to name a child with the, the initials X and Y to go with the Z. So Hugo Zimmerman would work, I would think. You know, you know, but like you got to get stupid to make it balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we didn't. Ooh, Xander with an X. Xander yeah. Zimmerman. Yes, you know that could happen. That could happen. Although I would hate myself every day for naming a child Xander. Xander Yolanda Zimmerman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It would be YOLO. <laughs> Xander YOLO Zimmerman. <laughs> anyway, so Halak has to come back at some point and he has to play well, damn it. Because he's looked shitty when he was playing. I mean, like, he was stuck doing all of the starts during a stretch when everyone was hurt. That's not, that's, that's not a good hand to be dealt. Or when everybody decided to play like shit. Come on. Well, all, all three of those things happened at the same time. Okay. All right. <laughs> everyone was hurt and everyone else decided to play like shit. Yeah, and and I love, I mean, I love swimming as much as anyone can love a goalie. But, like, I I, I don't want to rush to like keep him in the lineup just because I don't want to ruin him. Like he's doing well right now, but like, I don't want something to happen and have him be ruined. That'd be all. You're saying that you love him more than Sveti. 
Yeah, I've I, I mean, tweeted out that he's, he's an my actual replacement. NHLer, which cannot be said about Sveti. <laughs> I I I actually it was a couple weeks ago or something like that when he got his first win. I was like, I finally have someone who can replace Sveti. Oh my god! I just cue the share song. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a share song. You main goalie, finally on the Bruins. Like it was destiny. I guess so. Yes, yes. Even if he had to come from Anchorage for that, but sure. Still. All right. So Nick's second point is Riley was not the best player traded, but the most impactful. Bruins need Deedman so bad, and he is so good. Yeah, yeah. Riley. I, I agree with that. Riley, I think, was the big piece here. That uh, Taylor Hall is going to be great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, anything that Taylor Hall does that gets points on the board. Uh, well, it's great. Uh, but Riley is like, man, he, he is a puck moving defenseman and he loves stretch passes and he finds lanes. He finds a lane. Oh my God. I, how can you not yeah, love this? I'm just so excited for this defense when it's, when it, when it's uh, healthy to really see what it can do. I haven't actually watched him do much actual defending because he's like, ah, I got this puck. Let's just go. Let's go over there with it. <laughs> and that's when he's you know stuck with you know clifton rather than carlo mm. oh clifton mm. oh cliffy hockey when he i mean like when... increasingly you know what you're gonna get and it's not good but at least it's fun <laughs> yeah he, he's just he's definitely a bull in a china shop and like when he like ran into the net and the net fell on Tuca, Tuca's first game back, I was like, Cliffy, please, like, <laughs> calm I, yourself. I was upstairs tucking in Boomer for that. And then when I came downstairs and looked at Twitter, I'm like, the net fell on Tuca? I wanted to ask my husband who did it because that person, I, I just, look, I don't have time for defensemen who have beefs with Tuca, okay? We got over this whole thing with Charlie last year. Yeah. Right? We don't need another defensive beating up on him. Stop it. Stop it, Cliffy. Okay. Yeah, so Riley is, is fun to watch. It's going to be better when and if Carlo comes back. Please come back soon. I miss you. And then again, a Grizz, Mac Grizz McAvoy pairing being back in line. Like, those two top pairings, I don't know if the puck will ever be out of, ever be out of the offensive zone. Uh, that that's okay. I'm the, I'm I'm quite okay with that development if possible. Yes. Um. I really hate seeing the puck in our zone. <laughs> and like you know what? Here's the thing: the power play's been kind of hard to watch for a few weeks now, and it wasn't great this week. I do think Riley is better suited on the first unit than uh than Grizz than either Grizzlick or McAvoy are. Yeah. Sure. And I think it's just a matter of the fact that there's several new personnel in that first unit because they got Hall on net front right now, too. Yep. So it's just a bit of adjustment. It is. And the Isles penalty kills good. So. By the way, I um, I solved one thing about what which assistant coach does what. Right? Ready? Ooh. Kevin Dean does the defense. Okay. Dean, huh? Yes. So it's the last edition, not the n n n n n not not the not the last not, not the um uh, longest carryover. Okay, I was thinking it was Sacco that was that was that was that had gotten stale, but hmm. So, 
anyway, there you go. That's that's one thing. I have no idea who handles forwards and uh, and power play. Is that still Butch? Butch does it himself, which I think I'm not convinced is the right choice, but like it does tend to make for a pretty interesting power play. <laughs> oh my God. I saw Pandolfo talking to Coyle a lot last night or the other night. He's the forward. So what does Sacco do? Well, isn't Pandolfo also usually the guy in the sky too? Like he's not, he isn't usually behind the bench. Well, he was behind the bench. I thought he's usually behind the bench. Um, I think yeah, I thought he was usually up a uh, up high, like uh, like Doug Huda was, um, as opposed to like, not Huda. Jarvis was the one that was the one. Jarvis that, was the, the one in, that was always sitting up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I saw Pandolfo in Coyle's ear the other day. So okay. So that makes me think that that he's the one, but I, I don't know. Speaking of Coyle, and this is the interesting thing this week is like Coyle and DeBrusque both look like they're actual competent players for the first time this season. Yeah. Maybe Bjork was the problem. They got rid of him. (laughs) Well, you know what? I think there is a component of like, like this is like the best wingers that Coyle's had all season, except for like on spot duty on upper lines when either Bergeron or Krejci were out here or there. Right. Right. That could be, that could be true. That said, I actually thought we'd see, still see we'd still see DeBrus traded on Monday. I yeah, did too. Even after the Hall trade, so did I. Uh, in fact, I, I, was I was surprised. Genuinely certain he'd be traded for a comparable right wing. You know, just it's like okay, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be like someone that has the upside of DeBrusque's Just like I figured, okay, they're going to trade him for someone that can actually play that side. I think moving him down to the third line is a good thing because if you really want him to work on his defensive game, I think it's a little bit lower stakes to put him down on the third line where he'll, he won't have as much time to work on it, but he also won't have as much time on the ice to fuck it up. You know what I mean? Yes. That said, like we still, I think it's pretty unambiguous. If it, well, especially if Hall gets resigned, ends up, ends up signing, which sounds like he wants, which means like, my guess is Sweeney can put the squeeze on, on terms of dollar amount. If that happens, one of Richie and DeBrusque is leaving this summer. I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. And the question is, do you go with the cost certainty for another year with DeBrusque or do, and, and, trade the, and trade the RFA? Or do you keep on plugging on with Richie, who seems to have generally worked better than, than DeBrusque has in the last two years, and move, and move DeBrusque? I don't know. I think I want to see them in the playoffs before I make any decisions, obviously. And the other question is, if hypothetically Kasha decides to not be dead, what what do they do in the roster then? Like, if Kasha's healthy, they can't not play him. In the event he gets healthy, I can't imagine they won't play him. Oh, 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 you're talking about if he actually comes back. Well, I pretty much took Bruce Cassidy at his word when he said, if Kasha comes back, it'll just be gravy. Well, you know, I, and I agree with that. I don't expect him to get back. But, like, if he does get healthy, do you push Wagner out of the roster and just squander Kasha on the fourth line? Or does he not deliver what you want down there? And do you just not play Kasha? It doesn't seem likely to me. I don't know how you deal with that. I don't think I'd play Kasha. I, I just, I don't see a point. Or let whichever of Kasha and DeBrusque actually seems to deserve three right wing. Like, you know, alternate them a bit and see who performs better. 
if one of them produces roll with that guy <laughs> i think the best case scenario is to platoon him but i i find it really hard to wrap my head around this because i just don't believe in my heart of hearts that kasha will be back you could platoon him on the third line i don't say put him on the second line oh no i agree the top six that is your unit there is no question based on these last three games you roll those six is your top six and sentence. No one else even gets in the conversation, but you can try Kasha out at third. And if he doesn't work there, you could try him out at fourth right wing. And if it doesn't work there, then you just don't keep putting him in the lineup. He's not that prohibitively expensive that not playing him is the worst thing that happens, but also he's not coming back. I know we have to think about it, but he's just not coming back. And, and you don't offer him, you don't tender an offer. I'm sorry. It, I mean, he would cost almost nothing, and you could probably sign him at a one-year league min to say, prove to me that you're still a useful player. In which case, of course, you do it. But I, I kind of um, think that you just need to encourage him to retire um, somehow. Uh, just because it's, you know, he got in, he played one game this year. Two. Two? Well, he got into the second game, but he didn't play the whole game. I mean, that's still play, technically playing okay, two games. Okay, two, two yeah. games, yeah. Okay, fine. Two games. That's not a lot. And there's just no sign that he's really improving. And I get it. Head injuries are terrible, especially when you have repeated ones. So I, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying, I just, I, I think you just got to move on. That's what I think. But I know that that's not what NHL people think. So I've always said that, like, no, the first was the cost of getting uh, of getting Riff back. Is he basically paid either Anderson or not, or, or he was gravy, right? But I mean, if you can get him to sign for league men, which again, after playing only one point one games, I'd say you try it. Like, you still need actual right shot wingers on this team. Yeah, but and there's no scenario he costs very much to sign, and you have RFA rights. No, I, I, I see where you're coming from, BA, and I don't expect much. But like at the same time, you have the asset. Try to use it. See if it'll turn into something useful. Yeah, I, I'm sympathetic to the cut bait argument. I'm just like, eh, there's nothing to lose in this case. Yeah, I, I, I guess you can take a rock and you can shine it up, but it doesn't mean it's a diamond. So I'm not saying it would be, but like again. You, if you only need him to be a third line line right wing next year, you just need him to be fucking healthy to be that. That's all. <laughs> yeah, but he hasn't proved he can do that. He hasn't well, been yeah. in the lineup for more than six games. <laughs> I know. No, no, I'm just, I'm just and saying. It's fucking, and it's a fucking rough draw, but I don't think it's a reflection of him. No, it's, and not. it's un- obviously. And I, not. I know you're not saying that, but also a lot of people when they talk about him do clearly mean it as a reflection of him, and that's not reasonable. Well, no. Bubble fuck up, notwithstanding. There, there are <laughs> lots of people who, um, who get head injuries and try to shirk it off and pretend that it didn't happen. You can't do that. I mean, if he doesn't come back, you got what he'll. We'll hit we'll hit October with him not having played in in nine months. Maybe it's a different story then. I'm just I don't I don't think you need you necessarily should walk away from it because it is you know it's a questionable bird, but it's still a bird in hand rather than one in the bush. All right. Well, I don't think he's coming back this year. I'm just going to say that okay. because he did. I- That's fair, but it would make it'll be interesting to see what the team does if he if he can come back in that remote possibility. Mm. 
All right. And then finally, Nick's last point. This could be the best midseason trade Sweeney has made or trade deadline trade. When the coil trade exists, I think that's a hard argument to make. Well, I'm, but the coil trade was just the coil trade. These are two trades that got you three players there. No, no, he's well, only talking about the Riley trade there, I think. Um, uh, um, he didn't say best deadline. He said best midseason trade. So he's talking singular. Oh, well, interesting. Because I, I kind of read it as like taking all the trades into consideration, even though yeah, that's I, not I, at I, all I, what I, he's I, doing, uh, you know sometimes we mistype things so i guess we need clarify clarification yeah if you're talking about mike riley himself i don't think that's necessarily the best trade he's made i mean yeah the best trade is is, is donato in a fifth for coil like you got rid of a problem rather it turned into a fourth but yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so I think it wasn't well, even Boston fourth. It was the fourth they got for trading McQuaid. So <laughs> I, I got to tell you, this is the most exciting trade deadline that I think we've had because it happened. We didn't have to wait until three o'clock the next day. Uh, it all happened in the middle of the night, and um, it happened very quickly. And none of this slashed your burbling in at the last minute. Oh, hearing Danton Heinen for Nick Ritchie. The fuck. Okay, that was the right response then, but it's turned out to be better. Or the year before <laughs> was, the, was the was the was the was the Johansson trade at the last second. It's like, eh. I mean, I liked Mojo and I Jojo and I had before when he was with the Caps, but like I still was pretty underwhelmed at the time. <laughs> oh yeah, but it turned out to be great. Yeah, I think Mike Riley's a really great pickup. He, he looks like the right player, and that's far more important. And that's again with Hall. Hall looks like the right player for that wing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Lazar looks like, and that's that's what it's about. Fit. It isn't about getting getting the rock star. It's about fit, and they nailed fit here across the board. Yep, I really like that. Uh, Taylor Hall has also said he doesn't want to be the spotlight or in the spotlight here. He just wants to come and play and he win. Wants to be a guy, not the guy. Right. And you know what? And that's that's that's, that's been what his you said all along. Is he was stuck being the guy. That's what you said. Yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> Just pointing out that you were right. You were right. I mean, I wasn't asking for you to, to do so, but thank you. Well, <laughs> no, you should. When people say you're right and you're ex- you just accept it, and you're like, yes, you're right. I was right. There you go. I mean, so, yes, you were right. You said you don't expect him to be the guy. And he comes in here. He's like, I don't expect to be the guy. I just want to be a guy. And it's like, great. He's like, I don't need to lead. You guys lead. I'm right here. I'm right here following. And that's good. You know, and now playing with Krejci and Hall, this is the, that's the best line mates that Smith's had his entire career, right? You watch a lot of Nashville and they never used him this way. Right? No, they buried him down in the lineup and he was like playing with like Colton Sissons and like Colin Wilson. Like, and last stuff. year, his, one of his better like perform, not in terms of production, but underlying seasons, he was with Benino and, Grimaldi. Where is Benino now? Um, Minnesota. So he's just sort of oh. in that, that hole in the hockey map. The one that you the one that, the one that you just can't see because your brain's like, no, I don't need to see that. We're editing that out. Not processing it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, you're not going to get to drink cheap champagne there. So I, I hope you enjoyed the Corbell. 
<laughs> and you didn't get, you didn't do anything in, in, with the Preds either, you fucker. <laughs> I'm still perversely, like, just thrilled that he blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, but you know, the funny thing is, didn't do anything with the Preds, and yet, yes, last year, despite being the fourth highest paid center on the team, was probably the best of the four. Ugh. Because remember, one of the ones further up the food chain was Turris. Yeah, where is Turris now? I forgot about him. Edmonton, but like he might be on their their taxi squad because like he was on waivers a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I have not paid attention to what Nashville's been doing, but it hasn't been good. He said, well, part of it's that Duchesne touches everything, poisons everything he touches except for the team he's being traded away from. I told you that. But like, 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 think about this, like, like the fucking haul that Colorado got in that trade. Sam Girard, Bowen Byram, um, Shane Bowers, and, uh, Yak- and uh, Vladislav Kamenev. So, like, that's like, oh, it's two, ex- two ex- excellent defensemen, a plug-and-play, uh, a pl- pl- plug-and-play AAA player, and then whatever, whatever Bowers turns into. Like, fuck. Like, they cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Ottawa did pretty good on their trip when they traded him away too. <laughs> right, right. Because I'm just I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. Because uh, Gerard didn't he come from the Preds? Yes. So Gerard and Kamenev, and I think a pick. I'd have to actually bring it all up. Came from the Preds, and then the Sens sent tourists to the Preds and gave up both a first and Shane Bowers, who was their previous year's first. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was a three-way. Uh, hang on, I can bring it up and actually get this trade right. Give me a minute. Well, it, yeah, it was a three-way, three-team trade, right? Because Duchesne spent a little bit of time in, in Columbus as well, so before he's he uh, ended up with the Preds. Okay, so... Okay, so... Wow, okay. So from Ottawa, the Avs got Andrew Hammond, Shane Bowers, a conditional first that turned into Bowen Byram, and a third. And from Nashville, they got Kamenev, Girard, and a second. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, Sackick's not playing the same game as other play- as other champs are. Well, you saw the tweet that I, uh, that, that was a puck soup quote that I, I, I sent to you, right? Uh, or to everybody, where it was like, yeah, Joe Sackick and uh, Steve Eiserman are playing 5D chess and Jim Benning is gluing pieces of macaroni to construction paper, right? <laughs> Not that Jim Benning has anything to do with this. It's just saying like some GMs are, are better than others. So look, I, I do deeply believe that Matt Duchesne is a cancer. He's the cancer that I believed O'Reilly was when he was traded away from Buffalo before the ensuing season happened. Right. Well, I, I think that O'Reilly is still a shitbag. He's not quite a cancer. He isn't. He isn't a fucking plague, which 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 Duchesne clearly is. <laughs> the Abs have done nothing but get better since Duchesne left. The Ottawa Senators are well. They're the Ottawa Senators, so that doesn't really count. Uh, but I mean, Ubergate uh, happened during. During his time, he was one of the I mean, players like, in that part car. Part of why the Senators fell apart were things that pre-existed before he was there. He just happened. He showed up at the moment they became a head. They came to a head. 
Right. So whether he was the instigating, he was the inciting incident or really unlucky and then carried that plague forward. Either way, he got there just as the Hoffman Carlson situation became untenable, basically. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. And then he was in that car in the Uber. Mm -hmm. He was the only person I recognized in that Uber. The only other name or person I know for sure remembering having been there was Thomas Shabbat, I think, which is kind of a bad look because at the time, you know, best young player in, in the system at the time. <laughs> so then he spent some time with Columbus. That was very short-lived. And then I was like, please don't sign in Nashville. Please don't sign in Nashville. Please don't sign in Nashville. And there he is. And guess what? Nashville has sucked. Nashville has sucked. So... Yeah, you can think what you want to think about Matt Duchesne, but I think he's cancer. So good luck he's, with that. He sucked the life out of out of Ryan Johansson and out of, of Victor Arvidsson without even necessarily playing on the same line as either of them. <laughs> oh, man. I got to tell you, when I saw Victor Arvidsson was up uh, in play on the TSN board on Monday, I was like, yeah. I mean, he's kind of like a, a diet right wing, right wing Marshawn, which like I would have been okay with. Yeah, not necessarily something we need, but, you know, I'm okay with that. But basically, that was all for now, because I don't think Nashville did anything. I, because Nashville they, didn't sell. They ended up bringing in Eric Goodbranson, because that's a thing that a team that intends on doing useful things does. Nope. Nope. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck to Nashville Predators. So, okay. So, Nick's, uh, Nick's point uh, about Riley being the next, uh, being the, the best trade piece you know, eh, you know what? I think he's a good piece. I don't. I don't know if he was the best piece. He's, that he's a good piece, back. and he's the right piece, and that's all that matters. Right. Right. Yes. Also, another thing: the reason he cost a third is the left defense market. This deadline basically didn't exist. It's like him, John Merrill, <laughs> and Patrick Nemeth. Like barely any left shot defenseman moved at the deadline. There was no market. Which worked to Boston's advantage there, because based on his performance, Riley probably should have cost a second. <laughs> hey, we'll take it, and don't charge us extra, thanks. Deal's already done. And also, there's probably an element of, it is just they're also the right players, but the, there's probably a, not a coincidence that Sweeney traded for players on teams that are driving distance from Boston. Also true. How long does it take to get from Ottawa to here? Both Ottawa and Buffalo are roughly seven hours. Oh, really? I I thought Ottawa was bigger. bigger. I remember how much for Ottawa? Ottawa's not that far. Is this? I mean, what's it? It's what five hours from Boston to Montreal, and it's just under two from Montreal to, to Ottawa. <laughs> well, you know, it's only five hours from like where I am to to Montreal, unless you forget your passport and remember when you're in Burlington, and then. I mean, better than when you're in St. Albans, but not much. Oh, St. Albans, Vermont. My sister used to live there. Really? Yes. Yes, she did. I mean, it's a crappy place to cross. If you're if you're crossing from Vermont in, in, into Quebec, like you should be doing it at at, at, at Derby Line, St. Stephen's, like because you walk right through, and it's at the top of the ninety one. Of course, they're also near Sherbrooke, not near Montreal, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that we've kind of dri- driven through Sherbrooke, but whatever. But anyway, my, my point is, is that uh, it took us a long time on that trip, that one trip to, to get up to Montreal. I thought, ah, 
We'll have a nice dinner. We'll get to walk around a little bit before, you know. Nope, an entire extra day's worth of driving. (laughs) Yeah, we got in at like one or two in the morning. But we had a spectacular view down St. Catran of of the uh, police cars lining up for the rioting Canadiens fans who had just lost to the Flyers in a playoff round. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, That seems like a thing they do. 2010. Oh, that year. Yes, yes. Uh, It was before I watched hockey. uh, That was like a mediocre Habs team that was seemed like they were all kinds of charmed after they'd, you know, taken out both Caps and the Pens. It was not... But incidentally, fuck that particular Flyers team. Yes, yes, I know. Every reason to, but still, I got to see, like, a beautiful sight, even though I didn't really understand it. Glenn knew it. Glenn understood it perfectly. Just because you took down my enemy doesn't make it okay that you took my guys down. So fuck you, Flyers. <laughs> I was not a hockey fan at that point, so I'm sorry. I, I did not have allegiance. I just knew to hate the Habs. That's all I knew. So I mean, that's that's a pretty sound foundation. Yeah, see, I told you. I've known that for a long time. Anyway, what's notable about this week is the, the Bruins got shellacked by the Capitals on Sunday. It was not a surprise. And then on uh, Tuesday, after the trade deadline, uh, they won against the Sabres. I don't remember what the score was on that. The, that was the shootout one, was it not? I believe it was the shootout. With three, two. Again, spectacular goal, goals from Coyle and DeBrusque. Like, that's the only situa- game situation where the two of them are extraordinary this season. Seems to be the shootout. Oh my god, yeah, those were both really great. Just like last time. Two of them are just really good in the shootout this year, which is cool. <laughs> if you're going to be good at something, be good at that then. Because remember last year, they never won a shootout. So there you go. And Swayman's like, I love shootouts. So cool. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where the uh, the Sabres were on a little bit of a hot streak. And then, you know, of course, we had the Thursday, Friday, back-to-back, home, home, not home and home, but home, home. Uh, with the uh, um, Bruins and the Islanders. Dismantling of the Isles. <laughs> oh, it was a beautiful sight, was it not? It's such complete games. Yes, yes, yes. I just loved uh, seeing the the Isles lose. I loved seeing Varlamov be beat. I loved seeing uh, the Bruins have a chance in this uh, Mass Mutual East. Kevin Miller taking Tage Thompson's soul. Um, fuck, who was it that fought Mat- Matt Irwin? They all, was it Kempfer? And the first uh, Richie, oh. I thought Richie. Oh, Richie! Yeah, yeah, it was oh, Richie. Yeah, of course, it was Richie because Richie was kind of an asshole that game and had it coming, but he then just turned Irwin inside out instead. <laughs> yeah, you know, again, it was one of those things where it's like, oh my god, the the Buffalo Sabers are full of our old defensemen that we didn't want anymore. <laughs> I wanted to laugh so hard going into that game. It's like, oh my god, they're rolling a second pair of Irwin and Colin Miller. What is this, Boston twenty fifteen sixteen? Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like I've been to this dance. It doesn't go. It doesn't go well. Have fun with that Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't base yourself on that team. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that our first year, our first season? Uh, and it was yeah, just like, just, oh yeah. man, why? Why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a thing we chose to do. Oh, my God. It was a decision that we could make. (laughs) A decision we did make. 
I thought that was really fun. Uh, it, you know, it's like sometimes you just you're sitting there, you're watching a game, you're like, how am I going to tell the story of this game? Right. And you're just like, oh, my God, they have all of our old defensemen, like our Isle of Misfit Toys defensemen right there. It's all good. Yeah. So it, just really nice week of, of hockey that the, the boys put together. Hall has uh, two goals now, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, Riley has at least two assists, right? Two assists, and Lazar has a goal. He had the empty netter last night. Yep, yep. Hey, we'll take it. It it added to the score. It just basically put the game out of reach. You know, well, there's just it. If you you got a, you got a two zero lead, like when they go empty netter, like when they go empty the net, it's not. It honestly is not good enough to defend. You have to sink that to sink that dagger. Yep. Yep. You have to tell them, no, not today, Satan. You're not well, winning today. Also, it's important at that point. It's like, okay, our goaltender's got us a shutout this far. Let's 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 prove to him that we're invested in it too, right? And, and then and you do that by putting in the empty netter. <laughs> right. I mean, the team plays much better in front of Swayman than they do other goalies, and I don't know why. Maybe it's he's just so infectious. They're like, oh, so infectious. I mean, some of it might have been an element of fear, you know, someone that green, play, someone that green playing behind to them. But yep, and it could also just being tired of losing and sucking. You finally got players here who are like they're refugees from terrible teams and they want to know what it feels like to win. So by uh, gosh, darn it, they're going to do everything they can to help you guys win. That's how I look at uh, all three of our pickups. They're just like. We are so grateful to be here that we fucking got into our cars like the, the first minute we could and drove down here to be here ready for Tuesday night. Oh, that was the thing universally. How fucking excited all of them were to be to be Bruins. Like, I mean, Riley I mean, wasn't nearly as effusive as Lazar and uh, Hall, but the two of them, holy shit, right? <laughs> I mean, I would be excited too for leaving either Ottawa or Buffalo to come to Boston. So I can understand that there was like, it was basically I'm free. Let's get the fuck out of Dodge. I I mean, Lazar had, he brought his wife and his newborn down and uh, Taylor Hall when and he's like, well, you know, obviously I, I signed with Buffalo and that didn't go well. <laughs> I mean, there's one thing about that I'm gonna like about him too. It's like Hall's for a long time been very self-aware. Yeah, he made a bad decision. Yeah, I mean, remember the second time New Jersey won the lot draft lottery when he was on their team? He made jokes about it on Twitter right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's up there with Kessel's jokes when he got left off the World Cup, the U.S. team for World for the World Cup of coffee. Like, just very, just like. Low key hilarious self awareness. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just some NHL people just make some weird decisions, don't they? That is the week that the Bruins had. Why don't we talk about what the Bruins will have in the upcoming week? You! <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, was there a spider there? We talked about this, this, this patch of schedule last week a bit. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Let's say it again. So, um, they, of course, tomorrow, that is uh, Sunday, April 18th, they have the huge manatee game at uh, 12 Eastern at home against the Caps. Hopefully it goes better than last Sunday's game against the Caps. I'm feeling better about this game. I am. And the Caps did recently lose to Buffalo, actually. 
Anders Bjork had a goal and an assist that game, I believe, as well. Wow, that guy is going to tear up the league now. Or he's just getting to play way higher up the food chain than he has any business playing because it's Buffalo. Sure. And either or. So, and that's followed up by three straight games in Buffalo. (laughs) That's right! (laughs) 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday the 20th. 7 p.m. Eastern on the Thursday the 22nd. And again, 7 p.m. Eastern on the 23rd. Which is sort of why it's hilarious, you know, before the, this last little run, it's like, well, Rangers are right behind Boston. It's like, well, Boston's got two games in hand, and all of those games are against Buffalo. <laughs> oh, my God. I I hope that Lazar and uh, Hall go on a tear for those three games. Oh, that would be fun. absolutely humiliate their former teams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not so much the teams themselves. Just be like, how do you like me now to the Pagulas and Kevin Adams? Big old middle fingers fly in the air. Glove malfunctions? What? <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> because I do say that I feel bad. I feel bad for Buffalo Sabres fans because I th- feel like you do not deserve that. You don't deserve the team that they keep putting out in front of you. You deserve this is better. This type of, of incompetence that they have that they have no business deserving, right? I mean, like, okay, yes, Sabres fans also, you know, like, I mean, you, you idiots steadfastly kept following the, um, um, the, the the bills for all those years. So, like, I'll give you credit for being fucking loyal, but at the same time, you don't deserve this. <laughs> you know, I'm just one of those people where I don't have any particular animosity towards Buffalo, and I don't have I any animosity towards the bills. I was in a Giants household in the early 90s, so, like, I kind of do. Insofar yeah. as I care about football. <laughs> right. I, I look, always played against them in the AFC East. And, you know, I honestly wish they would have won one of those Super Bowls back then, but they didn't. So, look, I, you know, the two teams I hate in the AFC East are the Dolphins and the Jets. And they, even the Jets hate the Jets. So, I mean, hitting the Jets just isn't fair. It's like hitting the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's sad. All right. Okay, so wow, this is a this is a week of very winnable games, but a a terrible like I mean, I like having two games against the same team in in a week, but three is pushing it, especially when they're Buffalo. I mean, it could be worse. I mean, I don't think I want to face the Caps three times in a row. Definitely oh, I'd not die if we had three Isles games. Even if they were all like, even they were all like the last two, I would die. Like I was, I went into th- Thursday thinking I'm going to watch one of these two back-to-back games. So incidentally, thank you Bruins for making it worth my time to watch to, to, to not just watch the both, but to fucking enjoy them. Yes, yes. And yes. I think that's the thing I got to talk about. It's like I haven't enjoyed watching hockey like I did the last two days in a long fucking time. <laughs> Yeah, probably not since the beginning of the season. And even then it was painful because the first two games against the Devils were not anything to write home about for the Bruins. Yeah, that run that they followed that with. So from like right after those opening games through Tahoe was great. But then since Tahoe, this has just been no joy in it. And then this week happened. Yeah, I mean, I I said, oh, uh, the Bruins broke the Flyers at Tahoe. And you said, oh. No, both teams got broken in Tahoe. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're kind of right. Yeah. So. I mean, they shattered the Flyers in Tahoe, apparently. And it's just just, just, just no getting back up off the mat from that. (laughs) 
poor Carter Hart. Poor Carter Hart. I'm sorry. Poor Kata Hart. Kata Hart. Poor guy. I mean, uh, I, I thought the I thought the Flyers would be better than they are, but whatever. Yeah, we're done with the Flyers. There are no more Flyers games. We have one season series all done. Goodbye. Right? We, they have sufficiently bludgeoned that team and can move on now. Yeah. Somehow we still have two games against the, the Devils, which doesn't feel right. I think we're going to have games against the Devils until the end of time. But, like, I'm convinced they've played all of them. How could there possibly be two more games against the Devils? Mm. Oh, I don't know. And there's, like, but five two games more against, against the Rangers. Two more against the against the Rags, one more against the Isles, <laughs> two more against the Caps. All that makes sense. But two more against the Devils, that's impossible. We've probably played, like, 12 games against the Devils already. Like, at least 15. At least 15. <laughs> at le- every period against the Devils feels like a full game. It's just interminable. Yeah, it's awful, and I don't... I, you know how I feel about Devil's Games. I do not want to watch them. Maybe it'll be a little bit better now. Maybe I'll try. But if you can't get better against the Devils, I do not want to watch. I was going to say, it's, like, it's, it's two games back-to-back. If you guys give up a fucking goal to Miles Wood in the first one, I ain't watching the second. Uh, <laughs> Regardless of the actual outcome of the game. <laughs> how refreshing was it to not uh, to see Kyle Palmieri just come up short against the Bruins the last couple of games? I mean, I'm convinced Honestly, that it's because of the beer. Feel like he was a factor in either game. Like, no, not even just not score. No, no. I mean, like he had an almost situation that Swayman easily took care of last night. But I'm convinced it's because he doesn't have the beard anymore. Because New Jersey has custody of the beard now. Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh... Uh, Lou told him to shave off his beard, and like Samson, he just has no power anymore. Yeah. Exactly. And then JG, uh, JG Peugeot, which is hard to say. Pasta has a problem with saying Riles. I have a problem saying JG Peugeot. That's just, duh. He didn't do anything. He, neither of them killed us. Did they, they played on the line. Did they cancel each other out? <laughs> we're just going to try to divide zero by infinity and or the other way around and that just does not work existence. that does that does not exist well he's like you can't you can't divide anything by either of them so what happens when you divide one by the other right right well i'm just <laughs> telling you that function does not exist <laughs> it's just like in mean girls it doesn't exist okay i i did not go to any math decathlon things but i'm just saying yeah, you can't design, divide something by zero and you can't divide it by infinity. You can you can talk about something as it approaches infinity or I mean, zero. you can divide something by infinity, but the only answer is also infinity. Right, right. But the best... Yeah. yeah. In fact, if infinity is inv- involved in the equation, the answer is still infinity. Even like infinity minus one, you know what the answer to that is? It's just infinity minus in- one. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is incidentally infinity, statistically speaking. I I don't think in terms like that. I always think of uh, functions as they approach infinity. Whereas, like, even as something is approaching infinity from, like, say, a mark of one, like that. There you have it, folks. EA tries to live her life asymptotically. 
<laughs> no, well, no, I was telling a friend this week, I said, you know, I was trying to write, a, I was thinking about writing a letter to a friend. And the only way I could describe my life is uh, F of X as X approaches infinity equals I am a hermit. This <laughs> DXDY <laughs> or DX there's no Y sorry uh anyway um yeah math nerds love it anyway yay Bruins watching very enjoyable now these are words put together now again opponent depending so I, again these three buffalo games i mean maybe they'll blow them maybe they'll maybe they'll you know go full fire wagon and make it watchable but like <sighs> buffalo but at least you know finally getting those points right you know if one game were a blowout and the others were close i'd be okay with that or if you know it's just a typical game where it's just like you know bruins win three to one or something i just don't like it when it's three to two generally or something because i feel like the bruins shouldn't are, are always on the, the the precipice of letting them back in the game and i don't like that oh i know it's like trendy on hockey twitter to bitch about you know games that end something one or something zero but like i didn't watch hockey in the 80s so i don't fucking care <laughs> we've been through this before but like i just don't fucking care <laughs> yeah yeah. So standardization of high scoring games. It's like maybe you need to watch people watch it. It's like no, no, people watch soccer. People watch a lot of soccer. Inordinate amounts of soccer. No one scores in soccer. <laughs> it's really hard. Unless you're the the US women's national team, then you score a lot. Because mm. you're just that great. <laughs> yeah, because you're awesome. That's that's why. Exactly. I just don't want to see the Bruins just play too closely and play down to the Sabres. The Sabres are not as good as you. Don't play down to them. These five remaining games, well, they have to they have to win these games. Get those damn points. Exactly. And what was really great was they played up and beyond to the, the Islanders this week, which is something they have not really been able to do this year. They've played with the, the, the Islanders. They've played competitive They've hockey with They've been competitive them. in a game or two, but... Not right. Like this. Yeah, this was way different. So keep doing that and do that to every team starting tomorrow. Do that. You know, you can do it. We know you can. Let's go. All right. So it is time for us to wrap things up. Okay. Well, listeners, uh, thank you. You've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Oh, there was a new uh, one. You can talk to what? There was a new one, Adam Ramage. Someone found some. Someone found some us uh, somewhere else. <laughs> he listens on Podcast Addict, which gets its feed from SoundCloud. Okay, so Podcast Addict as well. That's excellent. There you go. Now, of course, you can also talk to us. Um, we are at Barely on Topic on Twitter and at Barely on Topic Podcast on Facebook. And then, of course, there's always our individual Twitter accounts. I am at Doctor Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at please Brandon Carlo come back very soon. Dot com. Also known as at VA from RI. This is true. Word. <laughs>